Welcome to the Black Knight Nation podcast. I'm your host, Sal Interdonato, here with co-host Steve Anderson. The Black Knight Nation podcast is sponsored by Higher Echelon. Higher Echelon is a company run by Joe Ross, former Army fullback, former Army assistant coach, former Army officer, um, Black Knight Nation uh, podcast guest also. So um, we appreciate Joe Ross and Higher Echelon for sponsoring our podcast. Um, guys, check out our website. Check out our social medias. Um, I was at the scrimmage on Saturday, second scrimmage of the of the preseason got an interview with uh, Ijon Marshall got an interview with Hayden Reed, freshman fullback, got some stories up there. We got some photos from West point from the scrimmage that are up there. Also um, Steve, we're climbing up on the YouTube uh, subscriptions and uh, we're moving up in the world of social media. And we have a, a, a pretty uh, first off real quick, Steve preseason football going on right now. As we speak, your Ravens versus my Cardinals. You guys are handed to us right now in the preseason, but uh, we'll see if maybe that's a Super Bowl preview maybe down the road. So. Yeah, I mean, no Lamar, no Kyler, uh, so it's, it's hardly what we're going to see in the season. But my Ravens continue to win the preseason, baby. They're like 20, 21 and 0, five straight seasons. So it's uh, it's the most ridiculous, useless stat to be good at is preseason wins. So Yeah. On the topic of winning, we're going to bring in uh, definitely one of the most winningest quarterbacks in Army football history as our guest tonight. We're we're really honored to have Ahmad Bradshaw on our podcast. Ahmad, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, Ahmad, it's been it's it's great. It's uh, long overdue. I mean, I can't tell you when you were, um, you know, the. the and I know you know this because now you've been out in the Army a little bit, but the impact of us beating Navy in 2016 was just so incredible. And we'll get into that um, and everything. But I, I just I had a chance to, to serve with Ahmad in the same unit um, when we were both at Fort Campbell together. So it was great seeing him do, do what he was doing um, in, in the Field Artillery Battalion. Um, uh, and just great to reconnect you know, Army brothers all over the country, and it was cool that he ended up, uh, you know, showing up to Fort Campbell uh, while I was there. So, uh, my great seeing you again, man, and uh, I know you're still getting it after it in Tennessee, so it's good to be home after that long drive. Yeah, we, we miss you here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So, uh, I'm we, on. Go okay. ahead. Go ahead, Sal. No, I was just going to say we usually start about your, the Army recruiting story, so to speak. But if you got something else you'd like to start about, by all means. No, we can. Did you hear him, Steve? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I'm on. you know, what we usually start with is, is, you know, you're playing football sophomore, junior, senior year, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know – United States Military Academy or West Point or one of those two, yeah. you know, forms of, of letters or someone who comes to talk to you uh, says, hey, what do you think about this? And you're like, you know, what, what kind of what's the story? How did that happen? Did you get a letter? Did someone come see yeah, you? Yeah, I'll, I'll talk to her. So, yeah, when, uh, when I was a senior in high school. Um, Coach Wall, he actually, I think he was the recruiter in Illinois. He came to my school and I was in class and my football coach, he was like the coach that did everything. So he was security. He was the football coach, the wrestling coach. And I would see him often, but I saw him in my class just hanging out. I'm like, what are you doing here? Then he pulled me out of class and I talked to Coach Wall for about two minutes. He was just describing me like, you know, how West Point is such a great school and all these things. They want to offer me a scholarship. 
to go there. And I was like, yeah, this is cool. Like, of course. And then I whispered to my coach. I was like, what's West Point? Yeah. I, didn't yeah. Know what, I, didn't, I never heard of it. And then he was like, uh, he was like, yeah, you ever heard the Army, you ever watched the Army Navy game? And I'm like, of course, I've seen it, but I didn't know. I thought those were actual soldiers playing. I didn't know that it was actually um, a college. So got a little more familiar with it, started to educate myself about it. And Coach Wall, um, he was kind of the most honest coach or honest recruiter when it came to like recruiting me to a school that I felt and I immediately felt that it was like a home. Um, just off the interactions and phone calls that I would have with him and just talk about the school. So he kind of talked to me about West Point. He was like, well, it's going to be a humbling experience. You're going to go there. You might be taking out some upperclassmen trash, uh, delivering some laundry, doing some stuff like that. And then as a high school immature guy, I was like, I don't really know about doing that. But I was still always like kind of different than my peers. And I was like, well, if that – you know, it, it has to be a purpose for doing this stuff. It's not like people are just bullying you at this school. So I tried to look at the bigger picture. Um, he brought Coach Ellerson because I was recruited by Ellerson. And uh, they came to my high school again. And I kind of – that was the day I accepted the the offer, the scholarship. It was like a two – like maybe two or three months later. And then I signed in February, signing day. Then there we go. Showed up for our day that summer. Yeah, that's uh, so I I signed with West Point in like March. It was after signing day. Um, yeah. I I was like, you know, I don't know. This seems kind of. I was the same as you. I was like, eh, yeah. Uh, I, I'm a player now. Like I ain't taking nobody's trash out. Come on now. Yeah, it was and, crazy. Uh, after I, after I signed, I actually almost <laughs> decommitted once I started looking at videos of of art. <laughs> I was yeah. like. Nah. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of is, um, like Coach Paul said, it's humbling. Um, I remember being told uh, I, I, <laughs> I would not do any military stuff, and uh, all I would do is play football there. So oh, my, wow. the, the year, the, the recruiting when I was there was more of a let's get them there, and then they'll figure it out once they get here. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you got to pre- uh, appreciate Coach Waugh. And his, uh, you know, his honesty, you know, with an 18 year old who's a baller um, yeah. uh, with that. So but I know I, you mentioned that your uh, your coach was also a security guard. Not all schools have security guards. What was the like what was the uh, kind of like the environment, the environment and the culture around that? And then, you know, was was he, you know mentoring you to take this opportunity because of the environment or because you said you were different from your peers as well. So what do you mean by that? Yeah, so, I mean, I'm from the South Side of Chicago. I grew up around a lot of violence, a lot of, uh, you know, things that you shouldn't be saying as a, as a, as a young kid or young adult. But my football coach, Coach JB, his real name is James Brown. We call him JB. But he kind of was this mentor for all of us who grew up in that kind of environment. And my school, my high school, um, was actually a selective enrollment high school. So you had to take a test to get in. He recruited me when I was in like middle school, eighth grade. And from there, he's been like a mentor to myself and all of my teammates. So our school was in like one of those environments where it was a lot of violence and people would bring guns to school to protect themselves and do a bunch of crazy things. So they had to have metal detectors in my schools, security guards, 
And, you know, because of those type of guys that he was, I guess, saving for so uh, by by introducing them to football and academics, um, he wanted to be the guy that also was the first line if there was a threat or a first line of correction for those men that were, you know, going to probably possibly get involved. So he wanted to be the security guard that, you know, I walk through the door and I feel like I'm about to bring something, but I see coach JB there. I'm like, no, nah, I ain't going to do that. Cause he going, he going to correct this situation the right way. So he was the security um, guard, our wrestling coach and yeah, a mentor. Yeah. And you don't have to go too much into it, but was it uh, drugs and gang related? Was this that yeah. was what was what the violence was? Yeah, it was mostly drugs, gang related. A lot of people come from broken homes and, you know, just trying to make a way for their family. So it was a struggle just like that. And do you, can you um, talk about can you talk about the strength that got you through it? Ama? I know um, your mom was heavily a, a, a strong influence in your life. Yeah, it was really my mom and uh, my grandmother. And, you know, I had a, I never felt like I didn't have a father, even though I didn't grow up in a house with my father. I always had like some baseball coach, football coach, or some type of male figure kind of leading me. And I always just kind of took what I can from those figures and always wanted to make the females that I grew up with proud. So that was it. Yeah, and no doubt that they are. The um, When you say that uh, Coach JB was a mentor, did you still, um, not to get too far ahead, but is, mm-hmm. is he still relevant um, in your life today? Yeah, I literally just talked to him like a couple of weeks ago. Told him about my child that was just born. He's definitely a person I call for advice, and it's crazy because he actually learns from me now. Like we we just bounce off each other, so he's we kind of yeah we still relevant in each other's life today. Yeah, and how you know how uh, humble of him to continue to learn, even though he's you know the guy that's taught you. Uh, yeah, that's something that I. I always try to, you know, it doesn't matter. My, I mean, I have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old who, you know, I'll be, I'll get upset about something crazy, like, you know, literally spilt milk or something, and they'll be like, "Dad, it's not the end of the world, man." Yeah. Relax. Yep. And I'm like, yep. "All right, you're right. It's definitely not the end of the world." So. Yeah. That's good, man. Yeah. Ahmad, did you have um, other offers to play college, and were they recruiting? Were you? always recruited as a quarterback or yeah so uh i'll talk about i had a bunch of offers but i'll talk about maybe two or three uh short ones but university of illinois recruited me and i did not commit because i wanted to make sure that i was weighing all my options as a kid that was starting to get a bunch of offers and uh they end up offering this other guy i think his name was aaron bailey from a bigger high school and you know they they recruited him and then they were trying to change my position but i was adamant about proving people wrong that was saying I was too short or not smart enough or whatever to play quarterback at the D1 level. And a bunch of other schools like Northwestern was the other school that tried to change my position to cornerback. And also Michigan State, they tried to change my position as well. And then Michigan State, we actually went to, we drove up to their college and did a seven on seven tournament. And my school ended up winning the entire tournament. And uh, I was like the MVP of the tournament and they were trying to change my position back they were like oh he's actually good at quarterback we're, we're recruiting for that <laughs> and then i was like no i wanted to like hopefully play them one day at west point and prove mm-hmm. wrong so that was a lot of schools that uh that recruited me had good intentions but 
I don't know, it weren't the intentions that I wanted, and I, I wanted to prove them wrong. And I think West Point, as soon as they recruited me, they were just 100% into me no matter what it was. So I just wanted to give that back to them. Now, what kind of style of play did your uh, high school play? Was it triple option? Was it uh, read option? Was it was it uh, no, West Coast? Yeah. So the thing about JB is he he's one of those guys that doesn't want players to be limited. And we had a triple option playbook. We had a read option playbook, a run pass option. We went under center. We went shotgun. We went pistol. He uh, basically put everything on my plate that I would, wherever college I went to, I would be successful. So he kind of wanted all of us to be able to open any playbook and be able to read it, whether it was triple option, whether it was uh, spread. We were like no backfield, nobody in the backfield with me, five five wide. <laughs> We did everything. Man, I would have been pissed in high school if I had just studied a triple option or or, or, <laughs> or a spread offense. Then you guys yeah. come out in the opposite set. I'd be like, oh, yeah. man, yeah. Yeah. where the hell is my key at? Damn it. Yeah, we didn't have the most talented guys, but because our playbook was so big, it was hard for teams to, like, prepare for us. Yeah. What's it like when you get up to West Point and you see, you actually see the playbook at West Point? Is it is it comparable or is it like a, is, is there a little shot? Because I always wanted to ask the triple option quarterbacks in the West you know, Army, Army yeah, football. So, what's like? So as a I guess a student of the game, it is definitely not easy um, as a quarterback, especially because depending on where someone lines up on a D line, that'll change the entire play. Like. One person, if he moves two feet to the right or two feet to the left, that'll change the entire play. And um, when you're reading a playbook, when you first get there, it's like I was reading it with, under Ellerson at first. And then I get to Coach Munkin, and they're both similar, but it's a lot more detailed. Both playbooks are way more detailed than my high school playbook, obviously. But even but Coach Munkin's, the way they run the triple option is even more detailed. Like it's – it was like a drinking through a fire hose for sure. The uh, the nuances too, like, and, that, and I think it's what you mean by detail is you're running essentially triple option. I know I don't think Coach Ellison had tight ends in his offense. At least I don't remember them being there. But Coach Monk had tight ends. Yeah, and like you said, a guy in um a guy in a three technique, right? You got a yep. play call. But then he moves to a one technique, or and you're like, okay, the plays. And I think that's probably the coolest thing of watching quarterbacks that understand the playbook is you can get up there with a play call, but you have like three or four, you know, audibles based off of what the defense gives you. Um, and I remember watching you play, and you, you know, having that option uh, to switch the play or or call an audible that fits the defense, and that's. You know, that's what made you guys so successful um, is your ability to just be that general out there. Yeah, it was it's very um, I would say it's very helpful when you have a quarterback that can understand defenses. Like once I learned every defense about my junior year, it was it was way the game was way easier to play. And a quick story, the San Diego State game, usually teams will come out and they'll prepare for us with like maybe two defenses max. They'll run one defense and they'll align a few people differently, but they'll maybe change their defense twice. But San Diego State, they played literally every defense possible that you can line up in. Like literally every play. It's like somebody was in the defensive box with a dial and they were just spinning it. 
I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's what it felt like, seriously. And we watched them on film, and we were like, yeah, they line up in 6-1 this play, they're in a 50 this play, they're in a 4-2 this play. So Coach uh, Davis kind of gave me the green light that game to just call plays based on whatever defense they were in. And he would call a play that you could run against, like, most defenses, but if they were in something else, I kind of had the green light to change it. So I was just – that game, I kind of called like 90% of the game. It was so fun. That was the funnest game I ever played. That was a great so game, awesome. right? I mean, that game was a great ball win for Army. And, man, that back and forth game. And that San Diego State team was pretty talented, too. And, I mean, to, to win it like you did at the end, right, Ahmad? I mean, that must have been a great one of the great moments. So, yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, we just had a quick question from a viewer right now, is how long did it take to fully master the Army offense, says Bay Knight 20 wants to know. Um, I don't think you'll ever fully master the Army offense, but <laughs> get at least 99% down, I'd definitely say from prep school to my senior year, I got it about 99%. Yeah, Still, I mean, I, I, you, know, you know, master is a um, – you know, that's a relative term, right? But I think yeah. you just kind of mentioned it during the San Diego State game, like – you were given free reign um, for the most part, right, given the, the the base offense that Coach Davis called for you and then, you know, the the leverage to be able to call whatever play fit. I mean, yeah. at, you know, and then, you know, that game back and forth, still having that ability and then winning it the way you guys did, I, I would say that's pretty masterful um, in, in a relative speak as far as, like, as as – mastery of the of the offense you can get so yeah I would, I would say that sometimes when that happens like a defense is playing so many defenses it can be easier for us because you got to remember they they still got cues that they got to stop they still got re reads that they have to read so if they're just lining up in random defenses it's like we have a play that's going to crush this defense <laughs> so yeah. it's like yeah it was kind of helpful that they did that as well yeah, to just uh, bring it back a little bit, uh, Ahmad, how was the first start uh, at quarterback and, you know, kind of what was that that whole process of, hey, you're the guy this week, um, how did it come about? And then, you know, at, going forward, how you became, you know, the underclassman that was the, you know, informal leader uh, of the offense. Yeah, sure. So when I was, um, I'll talk, I'll start at prep school. When I was at prep school, AJ sure he was kind of the guy that I met on my visit as the quarterback that was going to be the guy when I got there. And he and Angel, I guess we're swapping out roles, but he was a better teacher at the offense than Angel was. They were both very great quarterbacks, but I kind of followed AJ a lot because not only was he very talented, he was like very good at educating me on how to learn the offense. So from prep school forward, I just literally studied AJ, watched everything he did, watched how his leadership ability led the team, made us better. And it was really him that drove me to be who I was because he was just so, I don't know, he was just so talented and smart. And I'm like, man, if I want to be like anybody, I want to be like this guy because he can not only – put it in his brain he know how to like lay it out and dumb down his difficult offense for me and I was like yeah so he um once I started learning from him it was easier for me to like make mistakes 100% which is kind of what the coaches wanted I was kind of timid at first as a freshman and not really wanting to make mistakes but 
once they announced me as the guy starting up, lining up against Fordham, I was very excited. I actually wasn't nervous, and I thought I was going to be. But when the game – the more we prepared, it made it easier for me to not be nervous because I wasn't thinking yeah. about making mistakes. I was thinking about making the right read and making sure they're still in the, the defense that we practiced all week. So I was uh, kind of surprised that I wasn't as nervous as I was. And before we uh, started every game, AJ would always bring all the quarterbacks in. We would, we would talk about, you know, our read, say a little prayer, and then go forward. So it was really him that, that got me going. When you took over, he was um, still on the team, obviously, right? He was an upperclassman. So yeah. to have him still on the sidelines – to go to right that must have been pretty a pretty good thing to have too right yeah it was definitely easy to like talk to him about things that i wouldn't talk to anybody else about and during a game he would like ease my nerves or calm me down and say hey this is that's the guy we were talking about on film and yeah he was like a great leader to me no doubt so many um I'm thinking about your time at quarterback, right? And what happened to the Army. And we, uh, Steve, you were talking about 2016, right? And then the, the season after with the 10 wins, too. I mean, so many, um, probably amazing memories for me covering the team, Ahmad, right? Because I had been through some really, like, uh, really rough years. And um, what was it like for you to kind of be, like, kind of at the, at the head of it, so to speak, and be like, quarterbacks get, you know, gets a lot of the, you know, the praise and the attention and stuff like that to be like one of the leaders on a team that kind of shaped armies. Well, I mean, I, I was, I was, I was only a part of the 50% of success, success, sex rate when we were there. My freshman and sophomore year, we weren't uh, as great as, as we were my, my junior and senior year, but we had the talent. If you remember my sophomore year, we lost like, I think most of the games, if not all of them, we lost by two to seven points. It was like a yeah. kick a field goal or they scored a touchdown at the end. So we had the talent, and I knew the tide was going to turn, especially with the leadership that Coach Munkin brought in. But it was definitely great to know that uh, myself and a bunch of other great guys on the team were a part of not only the, the struggle in our first half of our college career, but then the, the good side as well. Yeah, I know a, a, a lot of guys we talked to, uh, it was the same with me. Um, Ahmad, where I felt like our June, my junior year team uh, was super talented with, mm -hmm. you know, Vic Ugini and Ali, and we had guys mm -hmm. like Brad Marin and, and a bunch of upperclassmen. But, you know, we lost three games. You know, we were five and seven that year, and we lost three games that we could have easily won by a field goal or a, mm -hmm. a penalty. And, you know, um, I think it was, um, you know, I think there was like three or four games where, you know, we just, you know, didn't didn't know how to win yet. Yeah. You know. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, I think we had uh, Ronnie Makeda on, and he was saying yeah. the same thing, yeah. um, that the '95 team was really good, and they just didn't know how to win, and it was that leadership that they carried over that allowed them to to kind of figure it out in '96. Uh, we it's a it's a reoccurring theme that we hear. There's a few reoccurring themes, right? We got the brotherhood. We got, um, you know, some teams that just weren't um, that, that didn't know how to win yet. So it's kind of interesting to hear you say that, you know, we, we knew that team, the 2015 team. I mean, you guys were. the same guys <laughs> in 2016. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, because I mean, it was a game that year. 
It was like, yeah. but what he, I, I guess one of the differences was like the stories I would hear from people like camp when I was at prep school. Right. So coach Ellison was the coach and they camp. They're like, yeah, I'm playing. I was playing uh, this guy in Xbox and this guy on 2k. And it was just like a bunch of talk about other things that wasn't football. But then when coach Mungo was there and I got to camp, our schedule was like jam packed. It was like, all right, you got a meal this time. You got to lift this time. You got film this time. You got practice one this time. Then you got a stretch at this time. Then you got free time here. And I was like, how did you guys have time to, to do all this stuff? It was just a difference in, uh, in seriousness of when coach Munkin came. Yeah. I, I, you know, and I think, um, hearing from a lot of guys that either did the, the Ellerson in the Munkin era or even guys that just did the the Ellerson or just did the Munkin, right? There's always this – there was always this balance, at least when I was there, that was like, okay, these guys live the military life, so, like, let's give them free time and let's not make it so routinized yeah. and so yeah. military. Whereas with Coach Munkin, I mean, he just kind of, like, went with it. Like, these are what these guys have to do. Yeah. So this is what I'm going to do for football. And they're going to have a schedule. They're going to know what's yeah. expected. And I don't care if they don't like it because yeah. I won't use, I won't use yeah. them. Like, I'll get somebody else. Yeah, I got a so. lot of Chris Munkin stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What's yeah. your best? What's your best, Dan? Um, I'm, I'm somewhat kidding, so. Um, <laughs> the best? Um. I'll go I mean, with. You got, with, you, got you, hey, you. You still got your your five year and your ten year reunion coming up, so don't. Uh, yeah, I'll give, I'll give a brief quick. <laughs> so I guess <laughs> the uh, the team like to do a prank that I won't speak about uh, during the first night of camps, and uh, it's a friendly prank. But obviously, we should be sleeping, getting rest, preparing for the next day. And it was late at night; they were trying to do this prank. Coach Munkin overheard the prank, and he comes upstairs, and I swear. I was in my bunk, and I swear it's like I just saw smoke. I don't know where the smoke came from. I just see this guy walking out of smoke, and he's like, you think you know how to win? And he called all the, the seniors on the freaking uh, – this is my freshman year. He called all of them on the field. And I went to sleep, and I woke up, and they were still on the field. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to say what they were doing, but – and um, yeah. yeah. And the next day he brought all his – he brought us all in. And then he had a bag of bowl rings. He poured them all out on his table in front of the team. Then he started going down every bowl game, talking about how they won that season. And then people started to take him seriously. Like, oh, he actually knows how to win. <laughs> yeah, that, that's uh, – you said that was – so that was – when you were a freshman, that's his first year. Yeah, yeah. That's first wow. day of camp? No, that was his second year. So he started when I was at prep. Oh, okay, transitioning okay, okay. out, yeah, and then the next year, yeah. I got you. I got you, man. Uh, yeah, I've I've got only one, so I wouldn't know what if, if I was that player and I just saw a bunch of rings. I'd be like, yes, give me that. How I will do what you need me to do to get some of those. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you had a bag of them. It's awesome. So, go ahead, Sam. No, I was just gonna say the culture, right? The culture is definitely it. It's a word used a lot, but definitely when you see that, I mean, that's kind of a, a culture changing moment, so to speak. I would think, right? Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think. Um, I think the it just kind of go back to it where he didn't. He there was no coddling. There was no like, all right, let's give these guys a rest 
from the military kind of uh, like lifestyle. Like it was just yeah. You know, what, he, what he did was he didn't like. I guess a lot of people were trying to make life easier for us or make it like trying to figure out how they can. I don't know, but what he did was put us on like a business mindset. He's like, hey guys, these are the standards over here at the academy. These are the standards over here at the football field. And if you want to win, you have to meet these standards. If you want to win, you got to meet these standards. What are you going to do? If you make it, you make it. If you don't, we lose. It was like, it was simple as that. So everybody else was trying to like take take this off your plate some, take this off your plate some. He's like, no, pile it on and eat it all. Yeah. And I mean, you know, at least when I was there, you know, I had to go to AI a lot, especially my freshman year for chemistry and and physics and stuff like that. So I know the, I know at least the academy part portion of it, like there's, there's people there, you know, nobody, no teacher, at least in my experience, never wanted to see you to fail. Like, you know, they, yes, they didn't want to have a, they didn't want to have a family student because there was a reflection of them. Yes, you know, same. so like, they always, they always made the time and effort to like, all right, Cadet Anderson, we got to get you to figure this out, man. <laughs> I don't know what else. Yeah, no, I agree. I love, yeah, all my professors were the same way. I agree. Um, so, um, but that's, that's good. So it was never like you, uh, you know, you got away with, you know, not doing the work. You just did it a different way um, mm -hmm. to where you could kind of balance it. At least that's yeah, what he I just made. Yeah, it was just like a, a better schedule. They, they kind of helped us out to get to meet those standards it was like you're not in this alone all right we're gonna have ai this time we're gonna have study halls when we're on the road at games you're gonna have tutors here if you if your buddy always oh, see that kenneth brinson is the smartest person on the team <laughs> hey go tutor this guy in this so it was like they yeah. just gave us the tools we need to meet the standards on both sides yep that was carson homie for us man yeah carson yeah. homie I, I must have sent him every single paper i ever written yeah <laughs> i ever wrote so yeah so uh, all right, get bringing it back, bringing it back to to the plane. Um, so you had your start against Fordham, right? And um, oh, we got a question here. By yeah, go ahead, Steve, take it away. All right, so this is uh, from Scott Curtis. Uh, he wants to know about the twenty-one-zero win over Air Force that had to uh, that seemed to have changed the mindset about facing Air Force since then. So he's kind of just saying like. It, the, the domination over Air Force kind of led us as a program going forward that Air Force is, is just another team and not not a team that's hard to beat. So um, what, what was that? What was that uh, game like? Um, and uh, you guys able to control the clock and, and everything like that to, to kind of shut out, you know, to shut out Air Force. Yeah, that game. Uh, that was that was another fun game. I think they. They planned that game around me a lot, so it was kind of fun to to have a bunch of uh, quarterback runs that were set up predetermined for me. Um, but definitely, we all have this mindset that Air Force should not beat us. Um, I think that this is like what we hear from the recruiters that get recruited by Air Force. I mean, the, the players that get recruited by Air Force that end up coming to Army, they all have a common thing that they say. Air Force recruits them through like um, talking bad about West Point. Like, oh, you're going to go, you're going to go over there and you're going to get sent to Iraq and die the next day, or you're going to do that. And it's like, that's no matter how you recruit kids, that that's one way you should not do it by talking uh, bad about someone doing something I see as honorable for one. 
And then for two, it's not really um, honorable for them to be lying to kids because it's not necessarily that that's going to happen. But we always had in our mind that, hey, we got to be there for us because simply their recruiting is is not not ethical at all. And they're like, I don't know, they're, they're our little brothers like Navy. Yeah, so. yeah. and it uh, just leads to another reason why we don't like Air Force, Sal. Okay? <laughs> yeah, true. Just, we just don't like them. Um, hey, hey Amon, that- I don't know if you remember, was it the year before or maybe the year after where it was a game at West Point where Air Force was practiced? I know Nick Nick Stray got into like a skirmish with the Air Force players and because they were on the Army side of the field practicing in pregame and they were yeah, kind of like getting in the way. So Yeah, they're very disrespectful. They they just walk through our warm-ups, uh, walk through our – there's like uh, places where – teams go and places where the teams are not allowed to be and they, they come and invade their privacy. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's just standard, you know, pregame warmups. Okay. Yeah. And they just do it to do, God, I just, you're going to be fired. Yeah, they, just try, they just try to get in your head before the game, which is why they got this done to them. What this guy just asked about. <laughs> 265 That's... yards in that game man rushing for you and you like you said the 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 game plan was designed for you but i mean you guys are like steve was saying you controlled the clock uh the defense uh shut them out the rest of the way i mean and the sing second and and win in that dominant fashion against air force i mean that that's just was one of the our, incredible our defense was like they were locked in that day it was very good the offensive line was was locked in. It was. I threw up that game. Actually, I was. Uh, we had this. This stuff was like beet juice, and I guess you were supposed to drink a cup of it. It helps with the uh, elevation change over there. I guess it helps keep oxygen in your in your veins or whatever. I don't know the science behind it, but I was chugging that stuff when I got it, <laughs> and I read the label, and I'm like, oh, you're supposed to drink one one cup of it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, my tummy. I'm out of here and I'm out of here in Colorado Springs now, and I drink uh, I drink beet juice every day, and I, I still run a 16 minute two mile. So don't don't it don't do anything for you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I was I was fooled. I was just trusting my trusting the trainers. You know I don't know. No, it's, it's, no, no I'm, like, I'm sure I'm sure it has some scientific fact to it. I don't know. Yes, yeah. So I was like, I don't want this elevation to be getting any way of this game. I just want to go in, do my best. Yeah. And, and, and Ahmad, how, how many times, um, and, and just because I'm a defensive guy and I, I know how it made me feel when I saw the offense do well and how how it brought up my spirits to, to get the guys like, hey, let's get them the ball back because they're playing well right now. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how, how much throughout your career was like when the defense got a three and out or when the defense made a huge turnover or something or, or just well, – they're just playing well, right? They're, they're bending and not breaking. How much motivation that give you on offense to kind of be like, all right, let, let's let's give the defense one here um, to, to, you know, let's, let's try to capitalize yeah. off of what they just did. Yeah, I love it when a defense especially get the ball back on our side of the field. Like, uh, I always use that as motivation for my old line. I'm like, hey, guys, we only got 30 yards. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> so I, I love when they get, a like, a big turnover or a big play, get the ball back. And, um, yeah, depending on how close we are, I use that as motivation for the old line. And especially when we're down and we got an opportunity to come back or they're about to take the lead, like in the San Diego State game, I believe they were going to take the lead and go up one and uh, – 
Uh, the DB, DB tipped the ball and all. Uh, yeah. Yeah, McClinton, the Aukerman, right? Yeah, Jalen. Yeah, he, he tipped it on the sideline, all caught it. That was that was crazy because he actually slipped and then he still got his hand up. That That's like only effort. Like Coach Munkin preaches about effort. And some guys, if they slip, they're like, oh, I hope somebody else will get it behind me. But Jalen, you know, knowing that Coach Munkin, we always preach about effort. We talk about if you can give 100% effort, do it. And he even after slipping, he like tipped the ball, and Arkman got a turnover off it. So it was that type of stuff excites the the offense, and we definitely went down and took the lead. <laughs> that reminded me a little bit about Andre Carter, the Cam Jones uh, last year, yeah. right? The tip yeah. that Andre Carter got. Those mm-hmm. plays are just ridiculous. Um, we got to can we talk about a little bit about that the Navy game in 2016 and breaking the streak? Because I was on the field to see the final snaps, and you take that knee. And then what happened after you took that knee and had the, the fans just rush the field, grads, army fans, um, players just – it was – I was fearing for my life there, Ahmad, for a little bit there with the crowds and stuff like that. What Can you can you walk us through that experience? Because also before the game, right, the emotion in the locker room before that game, right, um, that's uh, with uh, Brandon Jackson, right? I mean, yeah. you had like – a lot of things going on there. So, oh yeah, there he is, B Jack. Yeah, I've I've had this band on for five years now, six years now. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was definitely heightened emotion. Definitely uh, thinking about our brother. That's all we were saying. Do it for Jack the whole season. You know, after he passed away. But um, I don't know. After I took the last snap, I don't. I don't feel like I played a great game that game. I feel like I I remember throwing a an interception early in the game. I remember I ran into Edgar's back and fumbled the ball, being lazy. It was a, a lot of stuff that I was critiquing myself on that entire game. But I think our team overall had a great game. Um, a lot of guys were doing good. Andy Davidson getting first downs when we needed them. The O line pushing through. <clears throat> Excuse me. There was a lot of guys doing a lot of great stuff that game and. I was just making sure that I wanted to do the best I could because I felt like I was letting them down, honestly. And um, taking that that final knee, it was like a breath of fresh air. Like, man, we finally did it. We've been talking about this for a long time. Um, yeah, we've been preaching for this, and it, it came through. So, did um after the game, you know, when people are celebrating, did anybody um high up in the army get a congratulate you who who was was there anybody that you can remember that you that yeah that... general, general millie came i remember he were in, he was in the locker room i believe i think it was him at the 2016 maybe he was at the 2017 game actually he was at the 2017 game i can't remember in the 2016 game i, I just know i heard i remember rumors of people saying they were going to storm the field and i didn't think it was going to happen and when I saw them people down there, I, I couldn't move. I saw my family in the crowd at one point, and then I remember running to him, and it was like a uh, Simba when he was looking for Mufasa in the in the crowd. <laughs> he <see> him anymore? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it's a lot of people. Yeah, I still uh, to this day in my freezer, I still have uh, grass from the number fifty. And the end zone we scored in to win the game, it's in my freezer from 2016 because I was an eyeball constructor. And this was this was the weekend before graduation. And all my West Point guys wanted to go to the game. And I was like, I don't know, guys. I mean, it's a week before graduation. Like, I don't want you. I'm, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you got to go. <laughs> <laughs> so funny, so, so quick, quick story about the that touchdown that you mentioned. Uh, 
speaking of Brandon Jackson, his number was 28, and we scored the touchdown on second and eight from the end zone. Oh, yeah. so it was like, yeah, Brandon is was here with us that night. Oh, yeah, yeah. no. Incredible, incredible stuff. And I mean, wow. I mean, just that that's a that's a memory I'll never forget, just being on the field to see you guys and just seeing the the, the alma mater, right? Ahmad, yeah. and you get coached next to Andrew King and Stephen John uh Stephen Johnson. There's a little teary eye just because you did it. You know, the streak's over. Now here's a here's a, it's Army's turn. You know, I, I bet you after that you felt like you know, okay. I mean, maybe not right after the game, but you felt like, okay, it's our it's our time now, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm on. I, I mentioned in the beginning, so let's see here. I had, I think during that game, we had probably four different year football players at my house and probably eight different year groups at my house, uh, you know, for the Army-Navy game, right? So we had – Guys that were like four years older than me, and then like guys that were like three years younger than me. Oh wow! Um, and um, it was um, when that happened. Uh, and now they weren't all football players either. They were just guys that Ooh. loved Army football that went to West Point. And um, I think I think the non <laughs> I think the non football players cried more than the actual football players. <laughs> yeah, they were just like. We Finally, like, they're just like, thank God. They're just like, uh, but it means a lot to a lot of people, and and yeah. that's a reoccurring theme that that we hear a lot on here. Is uh, you know, as a you know, I'm not as as a cadet, right? You don't really understand the impact of people in Afghanistan or people in Iraq watching an army navy game and what it does for him you just you just don't um until you're that guy in afghanistan or in iraq that's watching it um and now you know a a lot of people are in europe right now i I, you know i know um you know kelvin uh white's in europe right now um a couple other color upper other army football players are in europe right now uh so you know one thing's for sure right like the army's always going to be somewhere um you can, you know, for the most part, you can always watch the Army Navy game. Um, it's almost like a national holiday that they that they cut out for yeah, you, for which sure. is uh, which is great. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Then the 2017 Army Navy game is even. I mean, the ending of that game is even cra- crazy, right? Ahmad, that's a little bit more down to the end. You guys had that long drive to win, and then you got to stop, slow down Navy enough for that field goal to come just short. In the snow yeah. of all things, you know that that must have been pretty cool too. Yeah, that was crazy. That was insane. What 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 are some of the memories you, some of the, your thoughts on that game? Um, I mean the the uniforms, the camouflage jokes were definitely a big memory. <laughs> you know, when we watched film after the game, we we could barely see us from like the the, the side bird eye view. Um, but yeah, the camouflage. The, the atmosphere, me making snow angels in the game after they missed the field goal, um, John Voigt's tackle, that was that was insane. Him like running from the D line position, chasing down, man, that was that was great. It was amazing. And yeah, that was uh, the the best meme. I mean, you guys were obviously a meme, but I think what we had uh, the army started in seventeen seventy five. So whatever that is to twenty seventeen, I forget the number, but it's like. It took the army this many years to get camouflaged. To get camouflaged, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Malcolm Perry had a good game. It was a lot of good competition. Um, 
but that John Boy tackle definitely saved the game. We got we had, we had a lot of good players. It was good. Yeah, that that defense was great too. I remember defense folks, the offense to have that long drive too to kind of take the lead there when it was kind of crunch time. That's yeah. a drive I'll remember. Yeah, the only the only pass we threw uh, when I kind of got kind of got hit <laughs> throwing a frozen ball. Kayla Holt caught it. That oh, was, yeah. I was like, man, this dude, he's like one of the our secret weapons. Like he can do. I, I haven't seen him not be able to do anything. Like receive, he can play B back, A back. He can throw the ball. He can tackle. He was like our secret weapon. Yeah, I remember that throw. I remember that throw. Wow. Yeah. So two two great Army Navy wins. Under your, you know, what you like starting quarterback. Um, we kind of went through a lot of the the really highlights, so to speak. Do you have any that we maybe didn't talk about um, that you would like to mention? Um, I don't remember John Trainers uh, when I pitched him the ball on the left side and he almost tiptoed in. He went out of bounds at the two. I think that was right before the, the quarterback sneak touchdown. That's snow game. Yep, that's a snow yeah. game. Yep. Yeah, I think what I. It kind of made me mad. The ref took forever to call the play because, like, I, I looked at him as I fell on top of Bryce in the end zone. And I was looking at the ref. He was looking at me holding the ball. But he ran in, and then people are piling in. And as I'm getting up, like, Navy snatches the ball out of my hand. And this guy still has a, like, signal touchdown. And I'm like, what are you doing? Are you touchdown? <laughs> and then he finally throws it up. And I'm like, all right. And then I just run off the field. I hear him kick the field goal before this guy, before they try to say <laughs> – anything but yeah that was good the the crowd the after scoring that touchdown must have been deafening i mean i mean the crowd it was oh yeah that, that was it, crazy crazy was, crazy game it was loud um maybe you could tell us what you're up to now uh just uh what's going on in your life now and uh yeah so when i graduated i branched uh field artillery so i, I came to campbell it was my first duty station and we deployed I put that in quotes, deployed to the border, went down and did the border mission for a year. Um, when I was down, I hurt my knee doing like ACFT drills and, you know, whatever. And I got, when we came back, I got an MRI done. I found out my, my ACL and meniscus was torn <laughs> for a whole year while I was there. So <clears throat> I was still rucking, running, doing all the physical requirements and uh, my knee never like fully recovered. So I had to get that fixed, obviously. Then I had to get it a second surgery. So right now I'm currently in the process of medically separated, separating from the military, unfortunately. But yeah, I'll see what uh I haven't made any serious decisions on what I'm gonna do next, but I, I'm keeping my options open right now. So. Yeah, and, and um, you know, that's all. That's you know, it, it, again, I, I talk to guys that are getting out, especially lieutenants that are gonna be captains that you know either. You know, same situation you're in or uh, just don't want to be in the Army anymore. And the, the best advice I give them is just take your time and figure out what you want to do, man. Take your time, figure out what you want to do. If you want to go to school first or, or what, um, you know, you got extra motivation, right? You got that little man yeah. Uh, yep. keeping you keeping you keeping so motivated. Story, I, I actually delivered my son in my house uh, unplanned. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, my neighbor was telling me to tell a newspaper this so they can write an article about it. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. It was really crazy. My uh, fiance, she was like in the shower. She got out like the baby's coming. And I was like, let's go to the hospital. Her water broke. And she's like, no, he's coming now. And I'm like still trying to pull her away. And she's like, no, he's coming now. 
<laughs> and I see a head sticking out, and I'm like, oh, he's coming out. So I called 911, and I'm like, they're talking me through how to get him out. And, yeah, it was it was crazy. But, that's uh, that's intense, but. Uh, help you, baby, 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 ain't, baby. Ain't nothing for the two-time Army quarterback. Maybe, maybe, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we can say that. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, congrats uh, on that. I know that's uh, that's way more intense uh, <laughs> than any was, any football any football game you could play in. So yeah, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, uh, that's good, man. Well, you still you're still in Tennessee. You guys are gonna stick around there a little bit, or are you you thinking? Yeah, about- just yeah. It depends on what uh what I decide to do next. Um, I don't know if I if I decide to stay here, work from here. We'll see. It, it's all up in the air right now, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I got a, I got a plan, obviously, but it's not like nothing set in stone. Yeah, yeah. Do you think football will still be a part of you in some way, shape, or form? Or yeah, I would love to go and uh, coach at West Point or coach the triple option somehow. I enjoyed um, when I was a athletic intern at the prep school. I was the quarterback coach there when I graduated. That was like one of the funnest times ever. So I actually got to coach Jamel Jones. Um, yeah, he was one of my, he was my starting guy, Hodge Malik Williams. He, he transferred, but he was one of the quarterbacks that, uh, prepped with me when I was there. But yeah, it was, yeah. it was definitely fun. Yeah. And, um, I know you want to try to do that, uh, full time. You know, I, I do it almost at every post I go to, um, where I link up with a high school that's close to the house or something. And I just, mm-hmm. whatever I can do to help coach is what I do. So I just volunteer, um, yeah and run um, strength and conditioning programs for like neighborhood kids and stuff like that. So uh, yeah. it's definitely, you definitely can keep it uh, around. And then those guys will, will, you know, if you just volunteer, they'll be like, Hey man, we're going to, we're going to bring you on. Like, yeah, right, sure. sweet. So yeah. But yeah, that'd be nice to get you back up to West Point, man. That'd be cool. You know, yeah. kind of where, kind of where the journey began, sort of speak. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, there's just, um, if you if you have anything, or if you if you've got any ideas on what you want, you know, reach out to me, man. Um, yeah. And uh, I'll try to point you in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been great having you, Ahmad. Really, some great stories on you know your Army career and how you got to West Point. Also, I mean, really appreciate you having you on, um, guys. If you're watching now, uh, please check out our YouTube channel. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've had um, like a Ahmad was talking about. We've had John Voigt on this podcast to talk about that exact play of tripping up Malcolm Perry. That's one of our podcasts. Um, Joe Ross, we we're getting um, Troy Lingley on soon. He's a 1980s linebacker who who is very successful. So we're going to have a bunch of guests coming up soon. And uh, Ahmad, thanks again for uh, coming on. Uh, Steve, maybe thanks, thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. And most importantly, Black Knight Nation, we've got Army football coming up very soon so we'll two be weeks. definitely talk two weeks so we'll be talking we'll do immediate recaps and then full down full breakdowns after the games uh i know everyone's excited to get this season started so uh, ahmad thanks again for joining us man uh, great story i love hearing it uh straight from you um and not reading about it so uh thank you beat navy, uh, beat navy that's right beat them <laughs>